0: On the second day
1: of a 2 day, possibly three-day hangover. Nice. It's like yeah. a preview of your wedding. Fuck it, I'll be
2: hungover for the week. Dan, I'm very upset because your fucking stag present is in some warehouse somewhere, <laughs> and FedEx are like not being helpful at getting this at all, and I'm I'm very annoyed. It's not going to get here on time. It fucking really better get here on time.
1: If 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 it would help, I can. Reenact exactly where I would have been If it arrives a week late Like we can go back to wherever we're going to be And I can like be mid-sentence As I was going to be mid-sentence And you can hand it to me And we can pretend it was the week That's before. true I, I'm also wondering where we're going to be next weekend Well from what I understand Everything's been sorted not
2: in if the I've group been... chat it
1: hasn't Yeah it has it's no? You're not even in the group chat You left yeah, months ago I was talking to my brother about it And he said that everything was in there and sorted David you fucking coward are you, was this your plan? Is to pretend that nothing was being done to get me worried? Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: That would have been really funny. To be fair, uh, is
0: mean,
1: as if I, mean, I just you know been too. You you would nearly have gotten away with it because I'd definitely been too awkward to bring stuff up directly.
3: <laughs> so <laughs> it's been, lots, of time, is it? Been, lots is it? being done and lots, and lots is being said, but um, it's not to say that there isn't for your Stack. You uh,
1: you sound further. It's away frankly, it's before.
3: frankly it's warfare in there. Good.
1: We should try to do an episode as yes. soon after as possible to see to get capture okay, the hangouts.
3: <laughs> Live stream Sunday morning. God, beauty style.
1: Yeah, he's
2: In fairness, you I week. think I do think it was really brave of Yogan to do the Sunday morning after all the drinks as the indoor skydiver. Like that's a very yeah. brave choice.
1: Fucking indoor skydiving is a. It's not an activity that I ever thought existed until you've just said it now.
2: Yeah, it's basically a gigantic fucking industrial fan that just kind of floats your fucking ass around for twenty minutes, and then you pay them probably a lot. If I had to guess, that's
0: what it sounds so like. like throw a at you. Yeah.
2: In fairness, I bet being that close to a fan that size means you hear literally fucking nothing. <laughs> 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 I bet, yeah. I- I bet you don't even hear that. I bet you just hear the fucking wind surrounding your fucking head like whooshing past and there's no
1: other... It's like
2: like skydiving.
1: I can't imagine you hear literally anything beyond winds just going by. I would be so worried uh, that during skydiving, not that I'd like, you know, not be paying attention and would forget that what I do as a result, I'd be worried that I'd get so worried about forgetting that I'd get in my own head and not be able to remember how to pull the cord until it was too late. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty soft. Have you done anything you
3: before ever in your life?
1: I'm, I'm increasingly <laughs> convinced that no, I haven't.
3: <laughs> I think the, things have just been done for me. I mean, they, they don't let you anyway. They send you have to, dive with it for it, for you. yeah.
2: Yeah, I think I think you have to do like five, maybe assisted jumps before you'll be allowed mm-hmm. do an unassisted jump. It's pretty, it's pretty substantial. I think they do it that way so that like most people won't
1: bother coughing up the money to do it as often. Yeah, I definitely do want to do skydiving at some stage in my life, but it's definitely yeah, the kind of thing where I can imagine myself like starting to regret it the day of of signing up to do it? <laughs> I'm going to oh, die. I'd, right? imagine,
2: I'd imagine when you're on the edge of the plane, you're immediately thinking like, this is the stupidest fucking thing I've ever done in my life.
1: Don't they tell you? Isn't like the person on the plane like literally says, I'm going to push you out at the door. So you know, you, you yeah. have to consent to that now.
2: So you're when they move up to the door and you're on the edge of it, obviously the person that you're strapped into is on the edge. They're the ones that fuck you out. Like they grab it and they just launch the two of you out of the plane. <laughs> and then you can't take it back at that point because you're already falling towards the earth.
1: I remember seeing something.
2: Actually, my understanding,
3: understanding is, as soon as you sign the the waiver at the at the at the office on the ground, then they can do whatever they want. want. you for the ride. Yeah, I mean, you can say James Bond like, cause Yeah, no I way not go out the plane. You could totally say that, but they can also I, uh, take you if they think you've just been a pussy and you don't really mean that you don't want. To-
0: Go, that's available to you. To what the fuck to that noise? kettle. kettle.
2: Does that kettle? Oh, it sounds like a fucking scale electric set
1: or something. Well, no, I don't know if it is a kettle. I'm just that's my guess. We'll wait for Steve to come back. It all like, kettle. It sounds more kettle.
3: It's a real world whistling kettle. I'm actually making a brew a morning brew.
2: Hey, there you go. Got we should probably start the this days. then. This is episode 53 of morning brew. Um, To everyone that said we wouldn't be able to get to 53, like Joe Rogan, fuck you, fuck your entire family, fuck everyone associated to you. We did it regardless. I am, of
0: course, Adam Sheridan.
1: I'm Daniel Purcell.
0: And I'm Stephen Burke. And I'm Bentley Purchase. (laughs) Uh, uh, I wish
2: I had known that name before I changed my name, because then I could have changed my name to Bentley Purchase legally.
1: So are are you still holding off on changing your name because you're worried the passport won't arrive until after my wedding?
2: Dan, I am one hundred thousand percent convinced that the passport had I put it in in January would not have shown up for your wedding.
1: I believe that. No, I hundred percent. After after your last experience, I'm essentially treating the passport office as a sort of malicious, uh, like you know, like in a fantasy novel where like there's like the the fantasy equivalent of the KGB. That like, uh-huh. does whatever the, the the evil emperor wants. That's how I'm mentally treating the passport service from now on. I think it's the In only way that, I can like, not In be bothered that, by them. I'll be submitting
2: my passport uh, to get changed under a new name literally as soon as we get back from your wedding. I guarantee it's going to come back within like a fucking day and a half, just despite spite me. Like, it's going to be so easy and so quick.
1: <laughs> perf- uh, you, you, at this stage, they can't win. Because if they're nice, you're going to be pissed off that uh, you know, they were nice before. And if they're not nice, then you're just going to be even more pissed off because they also were nice before.
2: Yeah, there's one guy in particular in the passport office. I don't like complaining about people in their jobs, you know. Jobs suck anyway. But there's one guy in particular that was such a real piece of shit when I was dealing with him. Like really like fucking ego trip going on that I, I have to send in a, a report about him. But I saved all of his stuff and uh, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna submit a, a a handwritten report. You have to submit a handwritten report if you want what? someone looked into in the passport office. That is so exactly what I'd expect. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So 100%. Passport office. But uh, but no, I, I'm I'm not one to normally do that kind of stuff. But I will be doing it in this case, um, just because like there was one guy in particular that was such like. He really like took joy in the fact that like he was he could essentially do whatever he wanted. You know what I mean? Like he he was yeah. like at, it was such an unbelievable piece of shit that like even Ifa couldn't believe what she was reading. Um, like just couldn't Grace. believe at all. Um, so, what do you mean? That's fine. Like you you can do that if you want, dude. But like, if you think that like you know you're safe in one of these customer service positions where they don't even trust you with in information, fuck. <laughs> That's not like forget even about like my interaction with them, but that is not the place for you
1: to be so big and brave. But like what I don't understand is if you're in the customers, the customer facing end of it, but that's like your exclusive responsibility. And if you're like I, I understand, I guess I understand to a degree if you are working, you know, elsewhere and you have to talk to the public every so often, and it's just another thing on your plate. But if it's exclusively your job to interact with the public po- positively. Mm-hmm. And you're you're still being a, a dickhead to them.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. You're yeah.
1: Like, it has to be willful at that stage. It just has to be you're yeah. bored and you want to pass the time being as mean as you can be.
2: Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I, every now and again I consider not submitting the report against them, but like I then I think about it. I kind was of angry again. Yeah, yeah, I do. I think about it and I just think that like, yeah, I I don't know why I'm letting someone away with that. Even if they don't do anything about it. Like, you know, it's worth it's worth putting a fucking little bit of heat on them. Just to just to scare them a bit than it is to like forget about it and let them get away with being a dickhead.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true.
2: But that's fine. You know that'll all get sorted. That's all fine. It's not a big deal.
1: Um, so, speaking of of well, you know, when we say speaking, going back two or three conversation jumps of the weddings and weddings, I was at my mm-hmm. cousin's wedding uh, on Friday, and um, I, it was a really 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 nice wedding, but it kind of reminded me of the um i guess the challenge that couples who uh who aren't doing a religious ceremony face in picking exactly what symbols or ceremonies or whatever you want to do um cuz i remember <clears> you <throat> you you did the the tequila adam and that was really good i thought that was a really really good one uh, yeah <laughs> but my um my cousin did the uh mixing of the sand you know, where the, she had one color sand, yeah. the, the spouse had the, had the other color sand and they mix it to make a unique pattern. And yeah, I, I, I thought that was it. nice. But what I thought was funny was my brother was also thinking of doing that one. I sort of like looking up and like, ah, they stole my idea. Yeah, it's like, because it uh, like, also... when there's a more options to do it, if people are doing the same one, it's almost like wearing yeah. the same dress or something.
2: I like the sand thing. I think it's a cute little memento from the day. Um, <laughs> organizing it is such a pain in the ass that it wasn't worth it.
1: Oh, really? And also, <laughs> like,
2: yeah, and also because of like, it's not just the two of you to pour it in. Like, some they some people prefer when it's like, also the extended family. And like, getting my mom and Aoife's mom up just to light a fucking candle wasn't was like hassle. was already such a hassle that it's like, yeah, if you think I'm gonna stand there while they try and pour sand, I am we ain't doing this. We're moving on from this. This is a this is a non-starter.
3: Yeah I've seen a couple a- of weddings, uh humanist weddings in which I've already have already done this but uh in which uh, the, the rituals are increasingly elaborate and increasingly bizarre. Just in any it's search for tree not tying, planting of trees. Top egg of whiskey. Oh, hey! uh, Everything short of, like, crushing the glass underneath the tablecloth. Just <laughs> just a full mix and gathering of whatever rich we, we chose to come up with that were wedding relevant. Uh, it's, it's, the whole thing was... Genuinely
1: something where I think the Americans, you know, have it, have it better. Which, you know, I, I'm very reluctant to say, but I think of the American stuff where it's just say your own vows uh, and... Mm be pronounced married it's always the most effect like that my cousin did that at the end uh my friend Ian did that. i thought was, that they worked really really well uh rather than like looking around for kind of other stuff to do like yeah. i've gone to, i've gone to some weddings where um they're kind of yeah like you say it's almost like they're really like they're really pushing for for a symbol yeah. yeah they plant the tree
2: and they put ribbons around the tree and then they do a maypole dance around the ribbon tree and then they set the ribbons on fire to light the tree ablaze,
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like Adam. Uh, you used is... the mixed sands to put the flames out on the tree. For years, like fucking in and out in what twenty minutes. It was it was great. It was just like yeah, these two love each other. Let's get them married. We we were all on board.
2: People, we kept telling people this will probably be the shortest ceremony you'll ever be to, and people kept thinking that we were like like exaggerating or like really like underestimating it. And then like as soon as we left, everyone was like, "I can't believe how quick that was." And I was like, yeah. "I I told you, I said that like the worst part of any wedding." Is the ceremony Because after 20 minutes You're like Yeah we get it <laughs> I know these people Enough to be at their wedding I get it And it's like Yeah cool We're done Let's all go get, get drunk
3: Yeah,
1: yeah no, I, I think my favourite part Of weddings Like in the crowd Is just when the bride Walks down the aisle And they meet For the first time At the top And I'm like Oh great They're in love Isn't this great But then your smile uh-huh. sort it starts to hurt After like A few more minutes do you not like the part where the
2: mother-in-law starts loudly speaking about the parking conditions on the way to the Galway Bay Hotel
1: across the ceremony before it's finished? Is that not your favorite part? Uh, that's in the top five, to be sure. I think actually the thing I remember most from your oh. wedding was when um, was when we went up to sign the um, the cert, and then like immediately not being sure to do it. Do I do I sit down and do I sit down <laughs> straight away do I <laughs> And just standing there awkwardly for like 30 seconds. Okay. Okay. I think I'm just getting in the way of people's photographs now. So I think there's a bunch of photographs of your wedding that are slightly ruined by me looking slightly gormless in the background while you and Aoife smile. There
2: is a million people that took photographs of that wedding. Not a single fucking person outside of the photographer, showed me a single photo. I don't know what was taken. I don't know where it is. And I don't know why they wanted them. But nobody sent me even one photo of the wedding. (laughs) No, not not one. It was so strange. There was easily a thousand photographs taken by family members and no one sent a single one. How do you know?
3: How do you know?
2: My mom had enough to make her own wedding album out of it, so. Oh,
1: okay. Otherwise, you know. You were posing for nothing. They were just holding their phones in front of you. They thought it was part of Dan,
2: that's a really fucking funny joke that I can't wait to do at your wedding where I hold up, I'm going to bring my camera with me and I'm going to have all of the gear on it just to make it look professional. Then I'm going to hold it up for ages, not take a single photo, put it down go, that was beautiful and
1: walk away. I mean, I'm sort of suspicious of our photographer, so I think that might happen anyway. Um, we, we had to have a call with him we asked him because you know we essentially we didn't have a choice with this guy because the church only lets this guy do it so we either got him and someone else for the reception or just do him so fine grand whatever he's a photographer the pictures online look okay so we asked him to send us a quote and he insisted on calling with us and in, in the call just being like weddings are so beautiful i'm such an honor to honored to be a part of this uh, and only after he'd settled this did he send us all his prices and they were like normal. It was really weird. I thought like he was trying to hide that he was super expensive. But no, it was fine. It was super cheap. Yeah. So I, I just I, have a really intense photographer go. If, if someone starts like, you know, trying to bond with you and crying near you and giving you hugs and stuff, I think it might be the photographer. <laughs> and then I'll also be like, dude, are you doing the same prank? Are you pretending to take <laughs> photographs?
2: <laughs> That's my and shtick. There,
1: yes, he is doing that. But we paid him to do it by accident.
2: Is there anything more annoying? than looking for a service or an item and they don't just put the fucking price up.
1: Yeah, yeah. Where it's like, contact us for a quote. It's like, well, give me an idea. I don't know if I want to contact you for a quote yet. But then also, like, you you contact them, right?
2: You're just like, okay, fair enough. I'm an adult. I can send them an email or whatever. So you fill out their fucking form that they have and you give all the details in and they never read it because they ask you all the same questions when they call. Every fucking time But also When they call or get in touch From the email form They still don't answer The question about the fucking price It took me the other day Three emails To get a price from somebody And I was just thinking Like what the fuck Can you not just tell me Like do I really have to Fucking like jump through hoops Here to give you money God damn
1: Yeah I find like I assume the logic is Put them in touch with a person And that salesperson Will make a relationship with them So it's harder for them to say no but really, all it does is I'm impatient. So by the time I realize it's too expensive or whatever, I'm just going to jump into no as quickly as I can. If anything, at
2: a certain point, I'm saying no just because you've annoyed me. I am um, a
1: friend of mine was looking for blocks of wood the other day, just for like, okay. um, just for a project he was he was working on, and I thought that must be simple enough to get. Like you just look at wood suppliers or something like that. So I did. And even then it was like, yeah, call us for a quote about the price of a block of wood. Yeah. I feel like this is the most itemable thing. Like this this is the thing where you can the most easily say, this is what a block of wood looks like. Each one costs 20 quid or something. How am I, I feel really weird fucking bartering over
2: But also, All they have to do is name a price and then just say, contact us if you're buying in bulk or contact us if you have questions. Yeah. you know what I mean.
1: I just don't get it. I don't understand why we have to be so fucking weird
2: and sneaky about things. It really when, annoys me
1: when you get in touch with someone and they clearly think you're like a business. Or they want a, yeah. You want a bigger order. They you know they think you're going to do a bigger order than you actually do. So they like spend all this time selling the product, and then you're like, Yeah, could I have a uh, one A one sheet, please? I just want <laughs> a, a single poster printed.
2: So, I was only thinking about this recently, right? So, I was, I was, this came into my head the other day, again, because of fucking waiting on responses from stuff. But I was online one day, and I got an ad for a, a new little Canon, camera, and I seen it, and I thought, oh, this is a really cute little camera. I can use this for a lot, and I can use it really easily as a, like, a streaming camera. Like, it'd be a lot easier than, than swapping over to my actual, like, proper camera, and it's really good to have something like this as, like, a backup, like, like, behind-the-scenes kind of camera. Um, and I was like, "Cool, this is really interesting." So, I clicks their link, their web their web ad link it doesn't bring me to the camera, it brings me to a generic shop page. Okay. Already bad start. So now I have yeah. to find the camera. But the camera they were listing had like it, they basically said like it comes with an accessory set, and most of the set I didn't really care about. But they had two interesting things. One was they had a, a mount, a hot shoe mount that also had a like a, a dead cat to cover the mic and I thought, oh yeah, brilliant. And it had a button to turn like the, it's a start or stop either recordings or photos. And I went, excellent. I really like that. Had to go true and true and true and true to true to page. I think I had to click like eight or nine times to get the price. Incredibly annoying. I went to buy the fucking thing. Like you've already got, I've clicked the fucking sales link. Why is, why is it so weird? Come on. Hate it. Really fucking hate it. All I'm trying you to do end is
1: buying it. No.
2: It was so annoying that I left.
1: Yeah. I I find that increasingly I get very very annoyed by people having the audacity to try to sell me things. Like if I see ads now and I think the ad is too is too flashy or the ad, you know, the ad is they're distracting me at all, I'm like well I'm not going for that product anymore. I'll go to like page 2 of the Google results and find the shitty service. That's objectively worse. Just to not go and like, I haven't bought Maltesers in like four or five years because those ads with the nurses that have been running for ten years really, really annoy me. And they started bringing them onto YouTube, so I started speaking getting
2: you can have ads. I'm glad we're on this fucking topic.
1: I am so angry that we're not allowed to have slutty candy anymore. Slutty candy.
2: Yeah, M Ms used to be the horniest candy. There was the ad where the m M&M m was cheating on your man's wife and the other m M&M m was keeping a lookout. Stephen, what are you doing? you playing marbles?
1: He's cheating on someone's wife with an m M&M. and so I can
3: see a pretty face.
1: Oh, that's fair go. enough. That's,
3: that's worth it. <laughs> okay. So pretty face anyway, because I don't know what's camera.
2: I didn't charge it because we weren't supposed to be doing it today. Uh, anyway, yeah, m just bloody candy. You we're know, yeah. Right. It would have been charged yesterday. And then we backed out.
1: So now I don't have a battery on it.
3: Sorry. I used my camera. or were you Did you No, I was using it. The film it was from podcast.
1: You was using it to make M&M porn.
2: I didn't use the film anything. I was taking photos. Thank
1: you. Yeah. Uh-huh. You were pretending to take photos. You did. I was taking photos Before of me. Uh, Canon battery taking photos.
2: I, a fucking and a stock Canon battery. Yeah, you take two photos, dude, and that fucking thing is 90% gone. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. You want the flash on? Use, <laughs> on. Yeah, it's like a fucking polaroid. Like, <laughs> better be a good photo. You only get one. Um, yeah. So M and used to be the sludgiest candy. You know, there was the green slutty M and You know, you had you had the the, the okay, the brown M and is still slutty. I, I was in M and M world last weekend, and the brown M and is still slutty. No matter what they try and do, they can't they can't unslut the brown M and M. Her hey, vibes Pat- shine
1: true. I can't be the only person who, you know, outside of the m M&M m marketing scheme, yes, where it's very unusual that an m M&M m is cuckolding a man. Um, yeah. But I can't be sh- surprised that m and somehow have become this, like, dominant candy brand. Like ha- Does any other sweet or candy brand or anything have its own shop and have loads of shops and have loads of people going to the shops? Like, what is apparently um, special about that? Why not Skittles? Why are Skittles M&M's are M&M's. Of- They're in tr- I you ever never been Skittles to the Lynch factory. Skittles and M&M's are the Should same kind. Yeah, okay, but there's there, yeah, like the is kind of like more artisanal kind of again, so you they could probably do something like that, but like m M&M is the one who has the shop on Times Square or right? M&M's mm-hmm. is the one with the shop in Oxford. So, mm. Yeah, yeah. How how like M&M's aren't that are they, they're because just advanced smarties. No. Stop talking people are talking about m ms man.
3: People People, I, I like
1: sports. M&M's. I, they're not Maltesers. Really like, not. No problem with M&M's. I just don't understand how they're so big. Listen, like, um, no one's they're seen, like Chris Pratt. I, don't, if I just you, don't get it. If
2: you made an animatronic Malteser, no one would be like, yeah, this guy fucks. They'd be like, no, this guy's a fruit. We need to kill this fucking, we need to kill this <laughs> piece of candy. But for M&M's, everyone's like, yeah, yeah, I believe the red M M&M and M would definitely cook somebody. Look at that sly grin, absolutely. And then you have like the slu- the former slutty green M M&M, and M, and then you have the brown M M&M, and M, and she like looks through her little glasses. Mm hmm. That's absolutely. And now where are we? Now, cause this fucking woke generation, we're sitting around. Oh, the M and Ms are playing with a mime. Oh, okay. Who's fucking the mime? Nobody, because we're not allowed to have slutty candy anymore, and it's disgusting. <laughs>
1: I'm just imagining the fucking Coke-filled uh, marketing boardroom in the 80s where they're like, yeah, yeah, we should put faces on the M&M's. But you know what? Make them hot. A lot of people to <laughs> want to fuck these sweets.
2: Yeah. They were like, how are we going to get our candy to be different from the rest? And someone said, what if the M&M's were all just like fucking sex machines and fucked everything? And they're like, that's genius. You are a fucking genius. What is the and difference like- between M&M's and Smarties? Uh, I mean, Smarties are small and M&M's are bigger, I guess. M&M's versus Smarties. Reddit. There's a whole oh, lot a of place Reddit. to go. Uh-huh. Yeah, if you go want out. a good answer for literally anything, Reddit's
1: definitely the place. If, if Generally, if I'm looking up a question and the first suggestion for the question is like, you know, do octopuses masturbate? And then Reddit is at the end. Uh, then I'm like, oh, I shouldn't be asking this question. No, that's I when you of, know you've just, wasted your time looking no at of a question. Yeah, it's yeah. not a worthwhile it's not a worthwhile line of inquiry anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I agree with you on the M M&M and M thing. I feel like if anything, they should have gotten more lascivious and out of touch. Like you have the M and Ms espousing kind of Reaganite economics and stuff, just really ground them in the slutty eighties. Yeah,
0: absolutely.
2: Ooh. They're the cocaine candy.
1: Fuck's sake! You could definitely sell. This. You could definitely like launch some brand of candy and call it that, and you get. You're it, telling right?
2: me that you're telling me that the
1: blue M M&M and M that was supposed to be styled after James
2: Bond. You're saying if they put an ad out right now where he's doing like a line of Coke in the back of a Rolls Royce, people wouldn't want blue M and Ms. That's horseshit. People would fucking <laughs> buy them in droves.
1: I James Bond has to be the character who has off screen probably done the most drugs and none of it ever had shown on screen. I don't mean like in canon. I just mean that character's definitely on a shit ton of drugs and you don't see any it's of absolutely. it. Absolutely. He's, he's on blow constantly. How could he not be?
2: Everyone wants him dead. I'd be on my phone. I'd be off my fucking eyeballs and coke as well if everyone wanted me dead. He's, mean, he's trying I to go on a train. You know, he, just wants, you, you? he just wants to go on a nice fucking train, well, but he comes out of nowhere
1: break his neck. I would fucking love if one James Bond villain like, his plan was just to slightly nudge his lifestyle. Like, just make it slightly more extreme. Yeah, James, come on. Another night of drinking drugs and women. You guys have a heart attack <laughs> in, like, five years. Excellent work, Dr. Noah. Anyway. If you tried to shoot him, he'd have shoot you. But no, this way, it's victimless. I don't, this way, next, no one can catch us. The next James Bond
2: movie is just James Bond coming out of rehab. And because he's no longer a drug-fueled, like, woman fiend, he's no longer an effective spy.
1: I do I do feel like like in um they've done at least two movies where James Bond is like too old you know right like I like I remember in Skyfall they keep talking oh you've, you're a physical wreck and I feel like they did one other movie where maybe it was the another Daniel Radcliffe they seem to or not Daniel Radcliffe Daniel Craig <laughs> they seem to they seem to really want to let Daniel Craig know that he's a fucking physical mess but I always thought they were very implicitly like he's coming out of rehab, you know. Like that's very. They were very implicitly. Well, look, here's the consequences of your lifestyle. Your your piece of shit. Your body is fucked. No, they weren't. Uh, it was. It was the consequences of getting shot. Yeah, but like they they talk about not just that he's he's um you know like obviously the consequence of getting shot is that like he's lost his uh what's it the nerve when he's trying to shoot the gun and stuff. But they talk about like you know. His poor muscle condition and stuff, don't they? Or am I mixing this up with Batman Returns and Dark Knight Returns?
3: Possibly from being I know, shot. I, th-
1: I think I'm mixing this up also with that scene from Dark Knight Returns, where Bruce Wayne is told he's got no cartilage in his knees, and then it doesn't affect the plot at all after that, and he just runs around like he's got plenty of cartilage. That was yes, too much it? cartilage. That's the James Bond problem. He, he, she, I think that's uh, that Doomsday from from Superman. That's his problem. All of yeah. those, like, spikes and all our cartilage. He's just too cartilage That's
2: Superman's like real it. weakness. He's weak to magic and cartilage. Magic. <laughs> okay. I was going to say, I was thinking the other day... So this, this is my topic for the week. I was thinking the other day that there's so few, like, truly, like, professional, professional actors in Hollywood. Like, the ones that show up... Sp- like, not show up to, like, have, like, fun on set. Like, they show up to, like, very seriously... Do their job and like take it extremely seriously. Like they want, they want every take to be fucking incredible. And I was thinking, like, who who would I really say over the last like you know couple decades is like a leading Hollywood guy or like a big Hollywood guy that like takes it really seriously? And I I could only think of two. Tom Cruise being one. Um, because anyone that's gonna break their fucking ankle mid scene realize that they'd have to do it again if they didn't finish it, and then finish
1: it. Uh, deserves a lot of credit. Yeah, I agree, and I I admire him that he's willing to take it absolutely seriously on movies that are you know not not that important films. You know,
2: I think I think he just like I think they're just his favorite films. Like I think it's nope.
1: his, his favorite thing that he does, so he's you know, willing to put the effort in. But like that's fine for fucking Mission Impossible five or six, that. Like, they're good movies. But he does the exact yeah. same thing kind of the fucking night and day, <laughs> like yeah. all the shit yeah, yeah. stuff that he's in too.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. Like he's uh, like a hundred percent professional. Like he wants to fucking nail it. To the point where he'll break his ankle and be like, Well, if I stop now, it ruins the scene and he'll finish the scene. And I was like, Yeah, he deserves a lot of credit for that. Then the other one I was thinking of, who like must have some of the most like insane like scenes that they've made anyone do over the last 20 years, is fucking Ben Stiller. Ben Stiller's ben movies Stiller. are so mm. Yeah. Ben Stiller's movies are so fucking weird. And they'll do shit where like, you know. He has to like straight face act like a cat has just like fucking latched onto his cock and he's trying to bounce it off.
1: Is that where, a like, real Oh yeah, that's that's yeah, meet the parents.
2: Meet the parents. Or like, you know, there's like a whole seat. there's like a whole there's a movie we watched recently ish, and it's like some like stupid Ben Stiller romantic comedy, as most Ben Stiller movies are in fairness. Where like she's like a lunatic. What are you talking about? This is pro Ben Stiller, you psychopath. Did you listen to anything in the last five minutes? No. <laughs> specifically saying that Ben Stiller and Tom Cruise are the most professional actors in terms of Hollywood.
3: It sounded like you were ragging on Ben Stiller for a second there. But...
2: No, no. Don't get me wrong. His movies are garbage. Most of them. But no, Ben Stiller is a guy oh. that shows up to do a great job. And even like, there's like a behind the scenes clip of when he was on Friends for his guest spot. And he's making them laugh. And he's getting really mad at them for laughing. Cause he's like really annoyed that like they're supposed to be professionals and they're ruining the scene. And he's like, "Come on, guys, what the, what are we doing?" And he's like really annoyed with them. Like, like these are like like these are like bigger stars at this point than he is because like they're the biggest fucking stars on television. And he's like, "Guys, guys, guys, we're ruining the scene. Stop ruining the scene." And he's like really annoyed that they've ruined the scene. And it's just I was just thinking about it the other day, and I was thinking they're like, "Fuck, these two guys might be the most like two professional guys in Hollywood." Like they're showing up here to do the best fucking job they can do, and it doesn't matter how stupid it is or how bad the script is. They're really giving it like everything. You know, like i
1: really here to maintain, give it, it all. I would always maintain that the most professional actors in Hollywood are the old classically trained actors who show up to fucking nonsense blockbusters and just like will give the classic rada routine, like Anthony Hopkins or Ben Kingsley, who've been in absolute dog shit for years and years and years will still Please. like care uh, yeah but John Cleese I wouldn't say is like a serious or just a sketch comedian who's done well that's fair um, but like yeah, they'll, they'll show up into rules act, the- fucking terrible stuff and we will like you know
3: knock it out of the park
1: not even knock it out yeah they'll like give it fucking welly you know like the yeah. old Chris, the old Chris, I mean, Chris Philly's not around anymore, so he can't shoot his head, but he was the same, you know, he'd be on like this director DVD nonsense thing playing Dracula and he'd go all fucking in on it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's just, I was just thinking about it. I was thinking about it recently because I was just, it came into my head and I was like, who is, I think it's because Mission Impossible was on and I was watching some of it. And then it made me think of him breaking his ankle. And I was thinking like, man, Tom Cruise really has to be one of the most professional Hollywood guys. Like, like this isn't, he's not showing up to have fun he's showing up to try and make a really good movie and he doesn't want to be the the person that fucks up
1: anything so like he knows the like how hard of, um, of adam sandler then for example i think it's this. the
2: opposite of a lot of guys i think a lot of people show up to do these like comedy movies and stuff or like these like you know a bigger budget but like you know kind of goofy movies and like they just have like for the most part a fun time on set um and I, but I think like Tom Cruise is like no, I've gotten this, I've gotten this role. I really have to, I like, I have to make sure this is the best fucking role of all time. And he re- he really, for his credit, and I'm not saying that, like Tom Cruise is like the best actor in Hollywood, but he he puts like the most effort in. I think like in terms of like showing up to like as if you were showing up to a nine to five and like trying to really do a fucking killer job. I think Tom Cruise and Ben Stiller are definitely like the two over the last like 20 years. Well, okay, maybe not so much the last 10 years for for Ben Stiller, but. I think they're definitely the two that are like, yeah, and like Ben Stiller's roles are like, yeah, cat's going to like latch onto your cock and you have to like try and like hip trust it off or whatever, you know, or you have to pretend you caught like half your cock in your zipper uh, and you can't Ugh. unzip your uh, unzip your trousers and stuff. And it's like, man, they really give you like, they really come to him and they're like, here we have this idea. It's like, you know, you've done a flaming shot. But like, you didn't blow it out first so then your asshole catches fire and then you catch fire and then you have to jump
1: from this building <laughs> into the ocean.
2: And Ben Stiller's like, yeah, 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 I'll do it.
1: You have <laughs> like, a fucking amazing knowledge of Ben Stiller movies. That's what I've taken yeah. from this. Well, I don't, I don't know
2: if that last one ever happened. I was just, I thought, what's the most ridiculous shit I could think of? And like,
1: oh, he's I probably- I fucking taking it on faith that that would happen in a Ben Stiller movie.
2: Then I would not be surprised. Like, yeah. there's always some bizarre shit with Ben Stiller who like, even when he was like, you know, when he was in his peak and he was like a big named Hollywood guy, they were still doing shit like that. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to do the tequila shot, but it's on fire. So you're, you, you fart and then your farts on fire. Then you catch fire and then you try and jump into the water. But no, you've jumped into the gasoline. It's like, what? Who's writing this fucking script? And why is Ben
1: Stiller doing it? I, <laughs> what do you always thing, showed up? One What's thing script? I think is, is really interesting how to think about Ben Stiller. It's like, do you remember, like you remember when he was kind of, yeah, at his peak. Yeah. And, um, Essentially, every comedy movie that came out seemed to have him, Owen Wilson, Vince Vaughn. Like there was that, there was that pool of them, and then they kind of, you know, declined. And then every comedy movie had Seth Rogen and uh, Jonah Hill and all of that gang instead. And like in the eighties, you know, everything had Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray and. And I just, why is comedy the genre where you, essentially there seems to be like one group of friends who gets cast in every comedy that comes out and then they like, they pass after a time and they get the new group of friends in.
2: I would assume probably because comedy is so cyclical that if you get a very good cast on your hands, that's versatile. in, in you just terms want of,
1: the, you want the, cast yeah, exactly. In.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You want the, you know, you, you want the own Wilson, Vince Vaughn movie. Cause like, you know, none of these guys think that like, you know, this is going to be the greatest movie of all time. They know we're making a comedy. But they also want to make sure that they have, you know, a reliable cast of, of funny people who can, who can do the role well. Um, you know, it's like, it's like, it's like how a lot of like, like the goal for a lot of comedians essentially in, in, in America, especially is that they move on from doing stand up to just doing, to doing stupid comedy movies. Cause it pays a lot more and they work a lot less, you know what I mean? Whereas I in the UK, you have all of them that work for twenty years, get to a really high point in their career, and then they end up like hosting some fucking like nonsense show on like BBC at two AM. I, I think if
1: you can, yeah, especially if you're in the UK, if you get on that fucking quiz show circuit, then you're you're made. Yeah. There's enough of them now that you can just do one a week. It's a regular. It's a stable. It's more, more,
3: the panel show ecosystem probably means there's more panel shows per capita of comic than there are. Probably. Uh then you know, a higher proportion per comic or per thousand per comics. Uh, compared with like what's the equivalent in the United States for it's, yeah, people it's, who might be able to put shows on the are very... show. It's probably like probably like that pen and tell like Penn and Teller's um, trick me situation where they're just gonna have a stream of really talented people and wander off into the sunset having got their little promo boost from national cable TV.
1: Yeah. But that is that is true, is that there isn't um, the panel environment in the UK, or the UK and the US, the US, which is interesting because it is—it seems like it's such a sustainable income for a touring. Stand-up. Um, it's it's because the US
2: is very focused on one person. Like you make a recognizable household name out of somebody, and then you essentially use them until they can't draw in that audience anymore, and they're now too expensive to use. Okay. Um, and that's that's typically how the US like. The US like comedian thing usually goes like comedian, works his way to the ranks, popular comedian, eventually gets himself on some stupid show or a series of stupid shows where they work a lot less comedy and work a lot more like comedy, film, comedy, TV show. Except for like when you have stuff like Ellen and Ellen ends up like having her own daytime talk show. And all of a sudden it's like, you know, you know, she's still using comedy somewhat ish. But it's also like, you know, she's a big name and we've made a household name out of her. And like, you know, she's synonymous with daytime television in the US. So that's kind of how they usually skew. Um, But also like that's, I've said it before on the show, like the big problem we have in the UK and Ireland, especially with daytime shows is that no one's recognizable. There's only like one recognizable daytime show in the entirety of the UK and Ireland. And that's fucking uh, whatever that Philip Schofield, Holly Willoughby one is. And that's because they're the two, they're on there every single day they're t- consistent. Like, that's, you know who you're tuning in to see and the people tuning in are because they like these two and you know when they're not going to be there and stuff like that. But over here, it's like, you can never, Ireland AM, you can never predict who's going to be there. They have like a rotating cast of like 800 fucking people that could, any, any given day could change. And it's like, all right, I, I don't, you know, how are you supposed to really get behind something when it's constantly changing and like constantly changing without notice as well?
3: Yeah. I'll tell you how. I mean, the other... Need to book us. We need to
2: go on I Ireland can. AM We can go on Ireland AM I will, I will run Ireland AM for an entire week on
1: the same pay as Tommy Bow. Fucking hell, I can't believe you <laughs> forgetting the Tommy Bo was on there Yeah, I I don't <laughs> The same charisma he brought to Ireland's right wing <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sure he's a nice guy and all. I just don't understand how you can put him on a talk show. Like, fuck. There's, <laughs> there's some people, you know, people that have like a weird charisma and like, they're not charismatic at all, but there's just something weird about them that you're like, I like, I like, I like watching this guy. I don't know. I don't know what it is. They're not it charismatic, but I kind of like it. No, he doesn't have that either. <laughs> That's what I was saying. He's neater. He's not like the charismatic fun guy. But also like, he's not like weirdly charismatic either. He's just kind of, he's just kind of an ex, ex rugby player that they put a
1: shirt on and he's on the fucking show. <laughs> I, I I was going to say, I was going to say about the, um, the, the comedians in the US side of things. I always think it's funny as well when you see like someone who you now know for like fairly safe staid material, like Steve Martin or someone. Yeah, And then you you watch them when they were a comedian. And it's like fucking racy, inflammatory kind of shit.
2: I think, but to give Steve Martin credit though, if you look at the stuff that people point out, the times when he did that stuff, it wasn't, infl- you know what I mean? He was doing stuff to make fun of other
1: inflammatory things during that era. No, of and, course, like, yeah, but he, he wouldn't even do that now. That's like, I, I, no, I, I know. Mean, I, I don't know. mean it as a as an insult. I mean it more like, oh, he used to be quite he used to be quite like interesting as a comedian, and now he's doing yeah. cheaper by the dozen too.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, hundred percent. Like that's that's the pathway. It's like you know you've managed to crack into this comedy film genre, and like you know we can put one of these movies together for like say twenty five million dollars, and five of that goes to you because you're the star, and then you know typically they'll make like one hundred and fifty, two hundred odd, and then we're good. I mean, you know, there's some that make an insane amount. Like, I think Pretty Woman made like $500 million in 1990, which which when you think about, yeah, yeah, Pretty Woman's a giant success. Julia Roberts is one of the most bankable women Hollywood's ever had. I think she's, I I looked it up before, but I think Julia Roberts is like $3.9 billion at ticket sales for her career. Jesus. And that stuff usually only counts when you're the leading actress or actor. Um, but yeah she's like an obscene amount like it, i think it's maybe it's over 4 billion dollars now but yeah like you know she was they would put together a film like pretty woman and then they'd make like 400 500 million dollars off it and like it's insane to think how big she was
1: it is I, it's definitely one of those things where like i feel like she you know some people come in famous belonging to a previous generation you know i some mean her are famous across generations because they're always in movies and blah 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 i feel well, that's like niece those too yeah yeah but I mean like I don't know I I always felt with her like I she was famous because I was told she was famous as opposed to because I saw her in anything amazing I, I think a lot of her
2: movies are very good I like Pretty Woman it's a good movie a little bit lengthy but like it's a good film um, I was surprised it made so much money <laughs> but like yeah there's a lot of stuff like that like I think like Eat Pray Love made like a quarter billion dollars or something like that insane and I mean it's an okay film, but like she really is one of those like people that like secretly brings like a shit ton of money into a into a production.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to think of what I've actually seen her in.
2: Oceans Eleven.
1: That's the that's the main thing I've seen her in. I
2: think the last thing I watched with her in it was E Pray, Love.
1: Um which is where she goes on like a she goes on like a
2: uh, like she quits her job and she moves out of the US to like Italy and stuff and she's I've heard good. that movie is fine and it's just the yeah, the very nameable
1: yeah, title has kind of ruined yeah. its reputation.
2: Yeah, it's a it's a completely fine movie. Like she's very good in it, of course, because she's a good actress. But like, it's nothing spectacular. Um, and then there's parts of the movie where you're kind of like, I mean, I guess this is okay, but it doesn't really add a huge amount to the the movie. And we could maybe save this eight minutes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like yeah. maybe this would have been fine. But uh, that's you
1: know whatever. Maybe we don't need to show every every detail here.
2: Anyway, um, unanimously agreed. Ben Stiller, Tom
1: Cruise, kings I, of Hollywood, baby. What I was going to say, you know, in terms of taking it seriously, someone like Christian Bale, because there's videos um, of him being abusive uh, in terms of how seriously he takes it.
2: I think when it comes to a psychotic level, we don't we don't include people. Yeah, uh, and I think, uh, Yeah, I guess that's I, not professional I, at, at that stage. Uh, yeah, I think I think Christian Bale's. Uh, very clear body issues is something that we can't we can't put in the professional category because anyone that's willing to like almost kill themselves to do a movie role when they're already famous is is less professional and more a bit of a, a bit of a nut job. I was I
1: was talking about this uh, like a, a version of this with, with Nuri the other day it was kind of if you ended up being you know you were a top level footballer yeah do you end up being a Cristiano Ronaldo in the sense of. Still training incredibly hard, still trying to perfect your craft. You know, for fifteen years, whatever to stay at the top, or do you be a Ronaldinho and I'm like, grand? I'm at the top now. Now a party. I don't need to try anymore.
2: Because one of the, one of the last kickboxing fights I done, I was coming off being sick a little bit, so I had been taking a bunch of of medicine leading off to it. And as most people realize, like med- like antibiotics are, you know, are pretty rough on the body. Um, but I didn't notice that I was. Like my level of fitness when it came to my my like conditioning, like my breathing, had kind of gone all over the place, um, and I won, but I was so disappointed with myself for like how my breathing was fucked. Like my conditioning had taken such a steep fall from it that I was yeah. like really upset about the fact that like win or not, it didn't matter. Like I I had I was very disappointed by that performance. Um, and coming out of it because I should have been in much better condition and while it wasn't my fault it was still something where I was like "That's this is poor shit you know so I, I would imagine in that situation I would probably if I wasn't able to train at a top level anymore I'd probably quit okay so you, I never you want, I'd never want to be the guy whether you're winning or not that everyone's like yeah remember when this guy was like really at their peak like I think that would I think that would bother me more than anything else if like if I was winning still and I was at a top level and someone was like, yeah, remember when he was like real good? I think I'd be so <laughs> upset about that.
1: Remember when he actually mattered? Yeah.
2: yeah, I'd be like so annoyed. I'd be like, what are you talking about? I'm still on top. And they'd be like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, <"Well>, no, no.
1: <laughs> okay, I guess I could see. Yeah. I'd say you'd be a, you're more of a Ronaldo then, I guess. Oh, I'd
2: I'd bail. Like I, I'd, i I'd take the fucking bag and I'd be gone and no one would ever hear from me again.
1: So I would 100% be a Ronaldinho. I'd be like, "Okay, I've made my nut. I have the money I need. Um, I'm not going to get my youth back. So why am I going to try really hard? I don't need to, I don't need everyone to think I'm amazing. I just, I've, I've already earned my money. That said, I wouldn't be a Ronaldinho in terms of going out clubbing every night. Cause that seems exhausting. I don't As even want to go clubbing second, every night now. Second day of a two day hangover. So
2: <laughs> like, like all jokes aside about stuff, I've, I've massively curbed, um, my drinking obviously we were, we were having a few drinks when we were in london and stuff but i've massively curbed my drinking as of late just to try and get shit back under control and i'm probably not gonna have a drink up until your stags or for a while, quite a while after your stag <laughs> So yeah. like i can't imagine being out constantly and just being on my fucking face like i just i couldn't do it it is i sometimes
1: look back on like college and i'm like how the fuck did that human being survive
2: like after your 20s you can only eat so many breakfast rolls and like i couldn't imagine
1: having to do that on the daily i'm i'm even now i'm like this heartburn it's not sustainable <laughs> yeah
2: yeah i sometimes think like oh i wouldn't mind a breakfast roll and then like 90% of the time that thought passes <laughs> because because i'm just sitting there thinking like oh oh no <laughs> i will i will want to be dead if i have a breakfast roll right now i don't want to i don't want a breakfast roll
1: I do think it's amazing that, you know, you like to think it's maturity or, um, some sort of change in taste as you age that like changes, you know, makes you live more moderately, but it's just heartburn. Everything I do, you know, I'm eating more healthily because otherwise I'll get heartburn. I'm drinking less because otherwise I'll get heartburn. I'm exercising more to reduce heartburn. It's the, it's it's the single most positive force for change in my life is heartburn.
2: Yeah. Age, age is fantastic for wanting to change. <laughs> I don't like. I I don't understand the people that like get older and like still kill themselves with drink and stuff like that. At a certain point, I am one hundred percent gonna probably never drink again, or drink so rarely that I might as well have stopped.
1: Um, and I can, I already know that that's gonna be the case. Well, like I was, I was, yeah, I wasn't you know hammered, but I was pretty drunk on Friday night. And one thing I'd forgotten is that when you don't get drunk, because that was the first time I'd been drunk, yeah. Uh, Probably since your stag, like very long time. Not since your stag, since your wedding. Um, so very long time and a few months. And what you don't realize is like, you're not, you, you kind of aren't used to it after that. You know, like when you're in college, when you're in your twenties, you just, cause you're drunk frequently enough that you sort of like are aware of how it feels. But when you haven't been drunk in a while and you're like sitting there, your heart's pounding and you know, you're, you kind of, you, you, you feel the drunkness and you're like actually yeah. being aware of this isn't really pleasant at all. I <laughs> pull back I the curtain, uh, please. I don't. I don't particularly like the
2: drunk part of things. I like when you got a really nice buzz going. Like, if you have a few drinks and you've a nice buzz and you can maintain that for a little while, yeah, that's the ideal for alcohol. When you go out, like at a certain point, it's like I'll realize when I'm out because there's no there's no stopping really. I realize that when I'm out, I'm like I'm already too far gone. I am going to do nothing but cause a problem now for myself tomorrow, and then I just go fucking completely ham. Like it's over now. I'm going ham.
1: <laughs> Sorry, Adam of 12 hours time, but Adam of right now is a dickhead.
2: Yeah, like at a certain point I know I'm already going to suffer for this. I might as well do shots because what's going to hurt? <laughs> I'm already fucked. I might as well keep the train moving. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, I've, I I agree entirely.
2: That's going to be your wedding. I probably won't be drunk between your stag and your wedding. And then on the wedding, I'm going to go fucking ape shit. <laughs> I, I
1: mean... I, it's over for me. I'm. We've already I, paid for
2: the alcohol. Please do. I'm gonna sit up at the bar. I'm gonna lay back. I'm gonna put my mouth under the tap, and I'm gonna come, just keep it running like fucking Barney in The Simpsons.
1: You say to the to the to the Spanish and the English. Every stereotype you have about the Irish is about to come true. <laughs> you
2: ever seen a man drain a keg like he was sucking from a straw?
1: You're about to see something impressive, boys. Put out the phones. <laughs> You're about to see something real special.
2: You'll be telling your grandkids about this day. Take the <laughs> phone out, record it. You'll want this on video.
1: Have <laughs> you seen Call Meow? Yes. That's why the Call Meow didn't play at our wedding. I was actually, one thing I was doing at the wedding on Friday was I was judging like, their music choices. Not really judging it, but I was I, every time what I thought was an iconic bit of cheese came on, I was like seeing how well Nuria knew it. Because if she's representative of what the Spanish know for songs, yeah, uh, I, I want to make sure that like there's this common ground songs where both sides are surging for the cheese at the same time, as opposed to you know Joe Dolan comes on, all all the Irish side go in, and then uh, some reggaeton comes on and all the Spanish go in. But the one I was most horrified to find out she didn't know was Teenage Dirtbag.
2: How the fuck does she not? Teenage Dirtbag is a global phenomenon. How the fuck do
1: you not know it? <laughs> I, I would almost say the same thing. There's a scene in um in Community where uh, Jeff starts like, insulting the bare naked ladies, and everyone <gasps> gets really, really offended. And everyone's like, they're multi platinum, Jeff. Are you? <laughs> why, does, why does everyone react like that when I shit talk to bare naked ladies? You know I mean, what a really it, annoying... It goes into a massive fight, but that's what I felt like when I was like, it's Wheatus' best song, Nuria! <laughs> and possibly only song.
2: I never verified. I've never checked.
1: <laughs> I had a friend who's, whose sister really loved Wheatus and it was like, almost like a novelty to me to be like, wow. That's We Wheatus were one time brought
2: over uh, or, like, they were, I don't know what they were doing, but they were brought, like, they were in Ireland, they were brought onto some radio show. This is, like, fucking 15 years after Teenage Dirtbag was relevant. And they had them do an acoustic Teenage Dirtbag live on air. And I always think that, like, this is so fucking cool that you got a song that's so irrelevant right now. <laughs> and, like, are treating it like such a big deal. Not even, like, like, let give the guy respect. If he's going to come in and, and perform a song for you, like, 100%, you know, you have to give him respect for it. But I just think it's so cool that you've managed to get someone who's so out of the fucking zeitgeist to come in and do this as if like, as if fucking Beyonce just walked in the door to do single ladies or something. Like, it's just, it's so out of time. Like, we're so, we're so out of here. This this doesn't even matter anymore.
1: Yeah. No, I I did a certain kind of sadness to it. Well, should we finish up? This has been episode 50-something of Morning Brew. It's been episode
2: 53 of Morning Brew.
1: I am, of course, Weedus. I am Weezer
2: I don't he has a W
1: band um, Steve is Work. <laughs> Corporate chill
2: <laughs> Make sure you Make sure you like the podcast On iTunes, Spotify Or any Any location where you listen To the podcast Maybe it's even on iTunes And uh, Maybe you should like it there Maybe it's on YouTube It's not Find us on TikTok We're not there But if you find us Good luck yeah. um, Of course make sure you Share the podcast with your friends Make sure you like it On all of your different platforms And we will of course See you again next week Goodbye